I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Talking Facts. And thank you guys so very much for joining me. Before we get started talking about my guest today, let's talk about Patreon.com slash Starting at only $2, you're going to get so many great exclusives for the whole month. You're going to get early access to the podcast. You're going to know who my guests are before anybody else. And chances are you're going to get to ask them a question as well. So make sure you go and subscribe to patreon.com slash because that's just the beginning. The tiers go up from there with even more and cooler exclusives. So once again, go check out patreon.com slash You can follow me, of course, on Instagram and on Twitter at sassysteffy. Now, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to go and hit subscribe if you haven't already. And also hit that bell notification because you never know when something new might be coming out. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to go and subscribe there as well. And if you don't mind, please do me a favor and go and rate and review Talking Fast. And please give a five-star rating. Now, on to today's guest. Like I said, very excited for both of them. First, I want to talk about Dan Murphy because he's on every month, as you know, as our monthly pro wrestling history lesson. And in April, his book, The Wrestler's Wrestler, is going to be coming out. And I'm so excited for him. So make sure you guys go and pre-order that on Amazon or wherever you get your books from. Now on to today's main guest. You have seen her on NXT. You have seen her on AEW where she instantly became a meme. She is everyone's favorite Aussie. She is heartbreak core. And she's back so Shaza. This is Shaza McKenzie. Hey, Shazza, how's it going? That's good. How are you? I'm doing well. I mean, I'm in Canada, and I know you're in Australia. They're starting to get back to a little bit of normal, right? Yeah, we have a a reasonably normal life, aside from not being able to leave our island. (laughs) Other than that, completely normal. Well, not completely normal, but reasonably normal. Uh, We're just a trap inside, but that's okay. (laughs) I mean, if I were you, but I'm sure this is kind of overrated to you, but because I've never been to Australia, I'd be like, I'm stuck with all the kangaroos and the koalas, and they're so cute. I'd be happy about that. Yeah. Little spoiler, we don't actually ever see kangaroos or koalas, like, in day-to-day life. Sorry. Well, <laughs> Sorry to break your heart. <laughs> you're in Sydney, so, I mean, you're I, yeah. obviously you're in, like, a major, major city in Australia. Do you actually, this is like more of a question for me because I love watching Finding Nemo. Is there a 42 Wallaby Way Sydney, Australia anywhere in there? I mean, there might be. <laughs> I don't, if, if it is, um, I've never visited. But there pro- like there probably is, honestly. Like we get some weird street names, so it seems <laughs> likely. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Well, let's talk about you and everything that you've been through in your career. But like I was telling you earlier, I listened to a couple of your podcasts to get ready for today and, you know, to have like some more background on Shaz McKenzie. So I was interested when you were young as a kid, you did like a lot of like odds and ends, like extracurricular activity things. Like you were a gymnast, you were doing pageants, you you were in singing lessons for like most of your childhood. I mean, what didn't you do? Uh, I didn't do a lot of sport. No? Okay. <laughs> no. I didn't. Uh, the only sport I ever like really played was basketball. Like I really liked basketball. My dad liked basketball, I think. And like that sort of just like got pushed pushed on me, I guess. I don't know. It, it got, it was what I had to do. Um, so that was like really the only sport I did. I did a lot of like, yeah, I did a lot of performing. So I always wanted to be a performer. I was always wanting to dance and act and sing and be in front of people and like, but I, I'm a, a Leo, so I'm like center of attention all the time. Me, 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 me. So I think that's what led to me being like wanting to do all that stuff. Like I always, always wanted to be a performer. Um, but yeah, and like that was, yeah, real like, well, I mean, I guess I did gymnastics, but gymnastics is still like, and it's still like you perform your routine and like mm-hmm. everyone's watching you. It's still a performance. Like, yeah, I, I did rhythmic, rhythmic gymnastics at one point as well, where it has all the ribbons and the balls and the, uh, it was very, it was very intense. But like, everything like that, like, like, I guess, like I did ice skating as well, which, like figure skating, which again, it's like, it's a sport, but it's a performance. Like, yeah. Yeah. So like, I wasn't into like rugby or soccer or, I don't know, cricket or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but I was always like, I just, I needed to perform. I was always a performer, which I get horrible stage fright, so it doesn't make sense. But yeah, that definitely is kind of <laughs> ironic. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of performing, one of the things that I thought was really cool when I was listening to your podcast is you were on Australia's Got Talent. <laughs> like, it's not yes. like a look on your face, but this is a really good story. So if you care to share it. It was, uh, so that came about because uh, the person that I was doing, so this is literally 10 years ago now because it was mm-hmm. 2011. So just for like the idea of what was happening. So there was this guy that sometimes would wrestle in a dress and he would wrestle, his name's Cracker Jack and he'd wrestle with Cracker Jill, which was Cracker Jack's sister, but it was very obviously just him in a dress, like very, uh, like Santina Morella. Yeah. yeah. So the people that do like Australian Idol and stuff, they have like producers that go out and try and find acts and somehow someone found him um, and was like, this is great. We want this. Like you wrestling a girl, like this is, this is hilarious. And so we went through the whole process of doing it. And like before we did it, we were like, like you understand that this is like a guy and I'm a girl and we're going to be wrestling on TV. Like, this is primetime TV. Like, do you understand what's going to happen? They're like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's hilarious. Like, he's in a dress. And I was like, I don't think this is going to go down how you think this is going to go down, producers, but okay. Um, and needless to say, we got out there. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's ha, 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 ha. And then the second he, like, four on me, the crowd's go, oh, 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 oh. And then it was just, like, this awkward, like, oh, no, oh. And then, so then when it actually aired on TV, they, it was clipped down to, it was only things of me hitting him. Like it was me doing a runner on him, me doing a crossbody on him, me hitting him with a pan or a handbag. Or, like, or like they just cut out anything that had him getting any offense on me because obviously a primetime crowd, especially going to watch a, a talent show, did not want to see this jacked up grizzly man with long hair and a long beard like he, he he's covered in scars he's like a deathmatch wrestler when he's not in his dress like they didn't want to see that guy beat up this sweet little innocent blonde girl and so we were right in the end but hey got on tv so it is what it is that's amazing like when i heard you tell that story i was dying and even now like I hear, you know, just slightly different details, obviously, from when you yeah. on your podcast because you're, you're doing, like, a more condensed story. But it's still yeah. it's pretty hilarious just because, like, you told them in advance, like, are you sure yeah. it's okay? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no worries. <laughs> it's hilarious. That's going to be fine. He's in a dress. I'm like, no, that's not going to be fine. So I just 
<laughs> Come on, guys. Yeah, just because a man has on a dress, I mean, he's obviously a man, does not make a man hitting a woman yeah, television worthy. Yes, exactly. Like, it's not, it's not the same as, like, intergender wrestling when you, like, like, you show both competitors as, like, equal athletes. And, like, it's a very different presentation to hilarious guy on TV in a dress and girl wrestling for two minutes. Like, it's a very different, like, reaction. Now, when the producers came to you guys, was it meant to be more of a comedy spot or was it meant to really show off, like, the athleticism of both of you? Oh, no, it's supposed to be a comedy spot. Okay. <laughs> we did, like, it was a comedy match that we did. Like, we did very, it was very, like, I don't know, like, um, I hit it in the groin and, like, funny things. Like, like it was very, like, you know, boy, girl, like, your generic what you would have seen, I guess, in intergender wrestling 10 years ago where it was, like, the girl as the the weaker component and, like, trying to get up on the guy and then the hilarious things would happen at the end and everything like that. And, yeah, it, 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 like, it was meant to be, like, funny, but it was just, like, as soon as he did anything to, like, get heat on me, like, it was just, like, he was going to get real heat because the real world is not prepared for that. <laughs> Definitely. Especially if they're not a wrestling crowd per se like I mean if you're in front of like a crowd and they understand what's going on what the storyline is here building into it but if you're just on like a talent show showing them this kind of stuff I mean yeah not necessarily in on the gag exactly like they they think holy crap that guy is just beating up that girl like they know wrestling fake uh, but they but as soon as they see it in real life they're like well that was real and I was like (laughs) That's what, I love. That's what I love about people, too, when they say that wrestling's fake, but they get up in arms about something that happens within wrestling. I'm like, both, best of both yeah. let's go. Like, I would yeah. say, like, you guys, like, watch movies and all of that kind of stuff, and those people are trained actors on wires. We are trained wrestlers without wires. Like, it's the exact exactly. same thing. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. We're just doing a live performance, and you're mm-hmm. – and your movies, if they botch, they get to redo it. Yeah. <laughs> they get a second take. Yeah, we don't <laughs> get that liberty in wrestling. <laughs> nope. <laughs> well, maybe some some do now with, uh, obviously, the pandemic. They can, yes. oh, that wasn't live. We'll just reshoot that real fast and whatever. But, you know, normal, it's just what we call normal, normal wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you're in front of an independent crowd, there's no redos. Nope. And they'll, they'll make sure you know <laughs> you've done something wrong. If, if the crowd doesn't let you know, Botchamania certainly will. <laughs> Thanks, Matthew. Well, let's talk more because you were obviously already pro wrestling at that time. You knew what you were doing. You were all over the Australian independence. Within a year after that, though, you were debuting in the U.S. at many different companies, including the one where I met you at, which – I don't know if you recall that weekend. Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> you remember that was my birthday weekend? Yeah, I remember I remember meeting you. I remember like, yeah, I it was a crazy weekend. Yeah, I that weekend I apologized to everybody who was at the hotel that we stayed at that or that weekend <laughs> because after the Sunday taping, which Sunday of that weekend was my ber- my actual birthday, I got Nice and hammered at the after party, which is cool. It's my birthday, right? It's what you do, yeah. Yeah, but I know my limit, and I was at my limit. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going back to the hotel, and I'm going to bed, and everything's going to be great. No. Because nope. when we got back to the hotel, like, to go to the the uh, elevator <laughs> over here to our left, and, oh, like, right in front and right to the right of that is, like, this little area where everybody was, like, hanging out. And I can't remember who all was in that room at that time, but I just remember I walk in and uh, some of the Japanese girls that happened to be in town that weekend were in that room with Dave Prezak, and I and I can't remember really anybody else at that time because, like I said, I was really hammered. Um, but they were like birthday Chuck, and I was like, no. <laughs> so everybody's Chuck, Chuck, and I don't know what time of night it was at that point, but I was like, all right, all right, one, and I gotta go, and. 
I'm not, at that point, I didn't have anything bubbly in my system. So they had, I don't know if it was champagne or sparkling wine or what it was, but I chugged it and I was like, oh man, I got to go. And they're like, no, one more. And I was like, peer pressure. <laughs> and so I ended do up that to you. <laughs> having a bad experience in the elevator that uh, evening <laughs> and shutting down the elevator for the next day. So I apologize to all the shimmer girls about that. But it how was that weekend? <laughs> That's, it, it happens. A lot of crazy things happened happened in that little like annexed room down at the at the Shimmer Hotel. Like kids it's these so- days, they don't know. They they don't know anymore. <laughs> there's no there's no Shimmer after party anymore. There's no like everyone flies out on Sunday nights, so they don't know mm-hmm. what it was like in that Shimmer Hotel. The chaos. Oh, if those walls <laughs> talk, like that yeah. hotel, if those walls could talk, <laughs> there are some crazy stories. Like, I won't say names, but, like, I remember one time I was going down the stairwell, and there just happened to be one of the girls getting spray tanned in the stairwell. So she's just standing there butt naked, and they're spraying her down, like, in the middle of the hotel. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) It's like, those down right off. (laughs) Yes. Now, I remember we were actually supposed to wrestle, like, maybe a year or two later on Shimmer, but then... Like last second, it got taken away, and I was so devastated. It was so chaos. I want to. And we had the whole we had the whole thing planned. Yeah. Like we we had the whole thing planned, and then they're like, "Change your mind. This is what's happening instead." And then you and like I like I I think that was when like was when I was very relatively new to Shimmer, and I'd never really like had to work so like changed up on me so Mm -hmm. quickly, and I was just like in panic mode because it was like. Yep, so your match has changed. Now you're wrestling this person in three matches time. And I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I'm just plastic. I have got this. Can I not do this? What's wrong with this? <laughs> yeah, this. I was I was feeling the same way. I was so devastated because, like, when we when you first came in, we, we became friends. And I was hmm. like, oh, man. I was like, I want to wrestle Shaza. Because one of my yeah. best matches I ever had at Shimmer was actually with Madison Eagles. I loved my oh, match. I and I was like, okay, another Australian. I got, I got to get my hands on this one. And it just got. We're not all out. like Madison. We're not all like Madison. She is. A, no. she, <laughs> when I sent my like demo reel to Dave for mm-hmm. Shimmer, I think I, ha- I had like a match with Madison on there, and he just replied back. He was like, I'm not even watching that because that's cheating. And I was like. Yeah, but it's a really good match, though. And he's like, I know it will be, because it's Madison. Of course, it's a really good match. Like, she makes it. I'm like, damn it. Yeah, I mean, honestly, my match with her, like, holy cow. I was like, I didn't know I could do half the things that I did. And I was I was the heel. I was technically the aggressor, and she's, like, three feet taller than me. So it was it was crazy. Yeah. Like, crazy. Just talented. Yeah, she's she's so talented. So well, like so I talented. I think the same when I watch your matches. Like I don't think I've seen a bad Shazza match. Oh, there's plenty. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's plenty. Well then, I will take your word on that. I'm not going to argue <laughs> you say that, but yeah. I have not seen a bad Shazza. Thank match. you. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so I mean, as you kept coming over to the states. You came, how many times do you, have you lost count now? Yeah, I, it's like, I remember in 2018, the first trip I did in 2018 was like my 10th trip because I remember being like 10th time and it was the first time I stayed in Chicago for like two extra days. So I was like, I should just like, I was like, okay, I've been here 10 times. It's time to actually see Chicago, like other than the Shimmer Hotel. Um, and then since then I've been like another like, six or seven times, like, in the last, like, two years. Well, not the last year. (laughs) Actually, yeah, so. Well, the um, last year, I actually want to talk to you about that because, I mean, literally, well, it'll be a year and a couple weeks now, you flew to the United States to go on your next, you know, tour of what what you were doing. And as you were on the plane in the air with no Wi-Fi, anything to, like, connect to the world – the world completely changed. How was that yep. for you? 
So it's actually, as we record this, I know this will date the podcast. It's actually a year ago today that wow. I got on the plane. Yeah. I've got all my memories today. I was like, yay. Thanks, Time Hop. Thanks, Facebook memories. Love that. <laughs> um, it was, oh, it was crazy. Like, so when I first got off the plane and like started hearing and seeing what was happening, um, I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It was kind of like a weird, like, state of denial. So, like, I... Stayed in America. I flew in on the Thursday and I flew out on the Monday or the Tuesday after. Um, like that was the period of time that it took me to decide that I had to go home. Um, so I flew in on the Thursday. The Friday, everything was kind of like a bit weird, but like, like everything was kind of happening, but it was like everyone, they were talking about this two week lockdown and it was like, okay, it's just two weeks. Like it'll be fine. Um, and so I had this fear of like, if the the lockdown was only two weeks because that's what they were telling us at the time. They were like, you know, we're just going to lock everyone down for two weeks and then two weeks that'll like sort it all out and we'll go back to normal. And it was like, if this lockdown is only two weeks and I fly home and then everything else that I had planned just goes on as planned, mm-hmm. then I've gone home for no reason um, and my country is locking us in our in the, in the country so I can't get back out if I go home. Um, but like, I'm very thankful that I did go home yeah. <laughs> because I otherwise would have been much worse. Um, but yeah, it was just, like, it's just, it took me a while to like that, like I got there and was kind of like, okay. And then I had like a show. I had two shows. I got two shows done while I was there on the Saturday and the Sunday. And by the time I finished the Sunday show, it was like every other show I had booked for like the next like three weeks had been canceled. And I was like, okay time to go home like I was like that night I like as I was driving home from that show I was like rescheduling my flights and figuring it all out because I was just like I don't know what I'm doing with my life (laughs) and trying to figure it all out and then I came home and then I had to quarantine for two weeks and then we had a lockdown for like three months here I just stayed at home for literally three months and didn't have a job and didn't have anything to do and then now it's now it's kind of normal, <laughs> wow. but it like it was wild. Like yeah, like a year ago, like the the year. It's so crazy that so much has happened in a year. Like that we've mm-hmm. gone from like this complete lockdown and shutdown to where we are now here in Australia, where like I feel comfortable moving around and going around, and we like have shows starting back up with like real crowds and like they're still at I think like. 50% capacity of, like, the actual mm. venue sizes. But, like, it's still, like, a couple of hundred people. Like, it's not like you walk out and you're like, this place is empty. You're like, you walk out and you're this is a decent-sized crowd. Like, this is okay. <laughs> like, this isn't nothing. So, it's, yeah, it's just a strange, strange adventure I've been on. <laughs> Do, when you go and you have these crowds, are they socially distanced or wearing masks or anything at all like that? No, no, they, oh, they, they, yeah, like, so the only place that, um, masks are, like, legally required are in, um, on public transport, like your buses and trains and stuff like that. Um, but we have, like, we haven't had any, uh, community transmission of, um, COVID for, I think it's about 50 something days at the moment. Um, so, like, we, we have cases, but they're all in hotel quarantine. So anyone that flies into the country is locked in a hotel for 14 days um, and, like, completely isolated and um, everything like that. We had a couple of uh, breaches from, uh, like, hotel quarantine where, like, the cleaners from the hotel quarantine got COVID and then, like, went to, I don't know, the bottle shop. And then, like, there was, like, small little clusters like that. And mm-hmm. so anytime anything like that happens um, – things kind of shut down again um well not shut down but like we we get a bit more stricter with our rules like the the goal is to keep businesses open um and never have to 
lock us all down again. Um, and now we've got the vaccine rolling out. So most of the frontline, like quarantine hotel workers and stuff have been like, like starting their vaccines and stuff. So they don't have to worry about COVID spreading out of the hotels. Um, we just, so yeah, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. Like we have the only rule that they have when they're, where, um, in like a live event is that they there's no dancing so they have to stay like the rule like the legal term is no dancing but it's basically that they have to stay seated so um they can get up and be like yeah but then they have to get straight back down like they're not allowed to like walk around the venue lots and stuff like you once you're in your seat you're in your seat and you but you can scream and shout and do whatever you want from your seat you just can't like jump around and go like that such a difference like just like, and you guys sound so organized. Like, <laughs> I live in Canada, and I would like to say that we're pretty conservative on the side of of certain things with COVID, and like, but we still have a uh, curfew until eight p or from eight p.m. to I think it's like five a.m. I don't know. I'm not up that early enough to, to yeah. be outside anyway. But like, it's crazy to me to like think that there's somewhere in the world where things are getting back to normal, and like for me. Like when when I'm in Quebec and they're like, okay, things are starting to get serious, so we're gonna lock you guys down like a little bit more with different rules, and I'm like, but we're nothing like the states, and you know they're opening. Me, it's going too far, yeah. but you know to my yeah. family and friends that live in the states, you know they're like, oh, no mask mandates anymore, and I'm like, are you guys kidding? Me? Yeah, that's like, wild. The numbers are still <laughs> sky high. Like, what is your yeah? <laughs> yeah, we get like if. I, the last time there was like a lockdown y kind of thing, like uh, one of our state, because we have a lot of state borders as well. So like I haven't left my, I, be, I haven't left Sydney. I left Sydney once for a wedding and I drove like two hours out of Sydney. That's the furthest I've traveled in the past year. Um, but like we, we have like, we've had state borders out, have been closed. So we haven't been able to like travel interstate a lot. So like, um, Melbourne, which is in Victoria, they got locked down, um, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago now, um, because there was like three cases that had come out of like the hotel quarantine. And so like they went into like a strict lockdown for three days though. And, but then after three days, they just went back to normal. Um, so it was like a shock for them for three days, but it nipped everything in the bud and then they could go on with life. And like we had a breakout. Um, in Sydney over Christmas, which meant that we couldn't, like, my, my in-laws all live interstate, and I hadn't seen them for, like, a, over a year um, because I haven't been, we haven't been able to travel. And so, like, I was supposed to go to Melbourne for Christmas, and we couldn't go, to, like, that all got cancelled because COVID. So, like, it's, like, it's hard. I've had booking, like, I had, like, the start of the year I was supposed to travel to Melbourne for a show in um, January, and then we got locked down and blocked out of Melbourne like a week or two before it. And so it's it's like, it's a point where like, it's fine. Like our day-to-day life is fine. Like I can go to work and I can go to the grocery store and I can go to the gym. And like, I don't have to like stress about day-to-day life, but like the things that I want to do where I want to like travel around, like even now I have like a show booked in um, April. So in a couple of weeks, in an interstate and like I think it's going to happen but like I, I never want to get too excited because I don't know like I, I don't like I was crushed when I, I my last trip interstate got cancelled for like wrestling I was like finally I'm wrestling outside of Sydney like different crowd or whatever like and it just like it crushes you so I'm just kind of like every show I'm like this is cool but also it can be taken away from us at any time because like this is like if they're going to shut down anything, they're going to shut down like people getting sweaty and yelling at each other in a wrestling ring in a, a small room with lots of people. Like, and that's completely fair. Yeah, um, I understand. Sure. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so I try not to get like too connected to like things that I'm doing. But like, also I get very excited at the same time. So it's hard. It's just like it's like yeah. even just like the little bit of like. Like, I've only wrestled, it's where, like, a couple months into the year, I've wrestled once this year. But, like, and so, like, every match that I do just means so much more because it's, like, 
I I have like a month to think about this one thing that I'm going to do as opposed to like when I, when you're doing lots of things and you kind of like, just like, okay, but like these are like the things that I do. And so, you know, these things and like everything's chaos and you get into the show halfway through the show and everyone's leaving here and there and whatever. Um, So that's nice. Like, but it's also, it's just so completely different to like think about one match for like a month instead of thinking about, 500 different matches and what could happen and then just figure it out there. Yeah. Well, it makes you really count your blessings and certain things that you get to do for sure. Like it's crazy. Oh yeah. But let's talk more about your wrestling career. Obviously <laughs> we don't want to talk about COVID the whole time and the differences between Australia and what's going on on the Western. <laughs> now, one of those trips when you came over to the States, I mean, many of them, but one of them that I want to talk about is, NXT when you were versus Emma and it was so cool because NXT they put over on commentary that this was a rematch that Emma was having from her last match that she had in Australia so how cool is that for you that was like the coolest moment of my life like I will be forever indebted to Neil uh for like that opportunity like I don't know how like from my understanding they kind of said like, what happened was we were at um, Lexi's for um, customs before Shimmer, and we were going to, I think, yeah, we were going to go to the NXT taping the next day um, because it was the first time that, uh, like, Billy and Peyton had been, we'd been over since they'd been signed, so we were like, oh, we'll go watch our friends wrestle. Like, that's real cool. Um, and so the day before we were going, um, Lexi pulled me aside and was like, oh, they want you at the show tomorrow at 1 p.m. And I was like, I haven't, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> this makes no sense. And she's like, WWE want you there. And I was like, what are you saying? <laughs> like, it was just so far from my mind. Like, you always imagine that if you're going to get this opportunity, you're like, you're going to like train real hard and you're going to be in like the best shape you ever could be in. And like, you're going to put your best foot forward. But like, I was eating donuts for breakfast. Like, I was like, I'm on holiday, bitches. Like, what? <laughs> like, I was just so like, not mentally prepared for that opportunity. And like, also the idea of wrestling for WWE was so far from my, like, it, it's not like it is now where they hire a lot of girls from the independence, whereas, like, it's like this was still very much, like, this is before they hired, like, Heidi Lovelace and Evie and Kimberly and, like, or they, before they did their big, like, indie hire. So the idea of wrestling for WWE, I was kind of like, no, like, like I don't think that's ever really in my, like, forte. Like, I'm just happy wrestling and, like, telling stories and doing what I do. Like, that was just not a thought. Um, so it was all just very overwhelming. Uh, but apparent, like what I believe happened was, um, someone asked Lexi for like someone at WWE, cause I think maybe Billy and Peyton had pointed out that there was going to be a bunch of internationals at Lexi's house that weekend. And so someone had, um, asked Lexi for a list of who was at her house. And I believe Tennille was like, look, if Shazza's there, I would really like to wrestle Shazza, um, uh, because it was when she just turned into, um, evil Emma, like she'd stop being, Dancy, Emma, yeah, uh, whatever. Do, 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 do. So, um, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, um, she wanted to, she wanted to wrestle me because then it could be like this story of how she's changed as a performer and like, so that's why, and that's why they put it, like, we told them about it on the commentary and stuff and they put it over in commentary and stuff because I, I think, and that was the story she wanted to, um, portray and like I'll forever be indebted to Neil because like I just like that was just never on my my mind or my thoughts that like any of that was just so far from what I imagined I could do but then once I did it I was like okay yeah I can do this (laughs) and then and then it just became like like tunnel vision for the next I don't know like five six years it's just been like I can be a wrestler like full-time like I can do this I can be on tv like I'm good enough well like lots of I'm not good enough, but then lots of yes I am good enough and like you, you are know, that sort of thing. <laughs> like is that that sort of mental game that you play yeah. with each other, play with yourself. But that sort of was like the catalyst for me ever even attempting to I don't know be a signed wrestler in any capacity. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, it worked out. That match must have worked out well for you with WWE because, I mean, just a couple of years later, you were back and you were wrestling Kyrie Sane on NXT as well. How was that experience for you? Was yes. It different because did you have more time to prepare? Um, that one I had a bit more time to, to prepare. So in between, so after the Tennille match, I kind of kept in contact with WWE and was very like, "Here's my stuff. Here's my stuff. What's going on? Here's my stuff." Um, one of those people. Um, and in that time between then, they had um, I, they had a tryout in Australia, which I did. Um, it was the one that Rhea, Rhea Ripley um, was signed from. Um, so I always make this joke that every person that I've ever wrestled in front of um, talent relations uh, has a contract um, because I wrestled Rhea at the tryout. And then um, a few, like a, a year or two later, I wrestled Indy Hartwell um, in front when they were like down watching one of our shows. So it's like his ongoing joke. Uh, but then the last time they were down there, no one from my match got signed. So I was like, okay guys, sorry. I've lost my, my I've lost my touch. Um, <laughs> lost Chuck there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like that was kind of, I kept in contact. I had a tryout then they, and they were looking for girls for the first May Young Classic. Um, and there was kind of talk about maybe being in it, maybe being an ex, uh, a, like a alternate, that's the word. Um, and then that sort of kind of all fell through, which understandably, because they had Rhea and they had Tony, like they don't need a third blonde Australian, like, <laughs> especially when I'm like 10 years older than both of them. So like, I was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, but I still like kept in contact and like kept pushing to things. And I think, um, that one, the one when I did, uh, wrestled Kari Sane, um, I didn't know, like, it was, I was over for like a shimmer mania trip or whatever. And I just told them like, Hey, I'm, you know, in the, the States at this point in time. And then they were like, Oh yeah, like come down. And I was like, cool. I will come down. Um, but it's still like, you don't know what you're doing until you get there. Like you don't know if you're just going to sit around and hang out or whatever. And then at, like they came out of their production meeting and they're like, yeah, so it's you and Kyrie staying today. Not. And I was like, what? Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> like, Yes, sure. Um, no worries. I'll do that. Um, so that was really fun. That was, um, it was really fun planning the match with her because, uh, it was, it was supposed to be a squash match. It was a squash match. Um, so planning it with her and I don't think she had many squash matches at that point in time. So she'd be like, Oh, I do this. And then I'd be like, cool, cool, cool. And she'd be like, so then you? And I'll be like, no, like not me. <laughs> like I don't do anything. All you. <laughs> like I'm, I'm not part of this. I'm just here for you. And she's like, oh, but surely you get something in. I was like, no, <laughs> that's all you. You get it all, not me. Oh, <laughs> well, not, I mean, you haven't just had opportunities with WWE either because you've also had opportunities with AEW, you did AEW Dark, you did the the Casino Battle Royal. And I just have a question because, I mean, the picture where you're in the split doing your, your pose and Britt Baker is super kicking you across the face, was that planned or is that just a lucky meme that came out of it? <laughs> so that happened. So at the time when that when that Casino Battle Royale happened, um, so I do the pose, whatever. Um, that's like what I've always done as my mm-hmm. entrance. And um, Kylie Ray does a very similar pose. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was signed by AEW. And at that time, she hadn't been seen for a while and no one really knew what was happening with her. So I remember specifically when I, like, I was going to stun a swole and then Britt was going to super kick me. But I remember specifically sitting there in the splits and being like, but I'm not, like, not going to do my pose because I don't, like, I don't know what's happening with Kylie Ray and I don't want to do anything that would remind anyone of Kylie Ray. Like, I don't want to get heat for, like, you know, you get heat for stupid reasons in wrestling. Oh, yeah. So I was just like, oh, no, don't do it. And I could, like, I, it was, like, happening in slow motion in my mind as I was doing it. And I was just like, oh, no, it's happening. Oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no. I, oh, fuck, I've done it. I, I, oh, crap, I am here. Like, it, like I, just, I was like, don't do it. Don't, oh, no, I, crap. And then the kick happened. And it was just a very, a very lucky that um, James got such a good uh, shot at it. But yeah, like I remember specifically was like, don't do the pose, like just just <laughs> land in the split and then get super kick. Do not do your pose. Do not do it. Oh crap! <laughs> <laughs> but I mean that that picture of Brit like super kicking you in the face, it was everywhere and it, still, yeah. every once in a while it pops up pretty frequently. So I mean, yeah, it's pretty epic. 
yeah, becoming a meme is probably like a good life goal tick. Like <laughs> can can tick that one off the bucket list. Amazing. And I know like you were in contact with them because like I said, you had the AEW dark match where you tagged um, against Leva Bates and Nyla Rose, which I mean, that had to have been amazing being able to, I mean, Nyla is like their biggest heel <laughs> besides Britt Baker. Yes. It was like when that came about, that was like another thing of me just being like, oh, hey, like I'm going to be in the country. And then, um, they were like, oh, yeah, let, like, let, let's see. And then, like, half an hour later being like, oh, okay, yeah, like, we'll use you on this date. And I was like, what? And they are like, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you with your flight information. I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, you're literally the second biggest company in the world. Don't you have to have, like, a debate, like, a sit-down, like, <laughs> pros and cons of whether or not Shazza is worth having on our show? Like, and it was just like, oh, no, no, like, you're fine. Like, we like you, having you around if you're in, in the States. Like, that's fine. That's easy. Like, of course we'll use you. Um, because, like, I, it, it's a lot different for me, I guess, as an international, um, like, because there's so much, like, immigration and all this kind of stuff, like, it's not as simple as, like, if I lived in America, like, being able to be, like, oh, like, we can just use her at any time, so, like, I always, like, when I'm in town, I'm, like, let me show you what I can do, um, so, it's just, yeah, it's, it's strange, and it was wild, um, it was such a crazy, like, I remember, like, feeling really depressed about the, like, like, I didn't watch it for a whole year. I only watched it, like, a year ago, or, like, when it was, like, a year, like, up of it happening. Because I, yeah, I just, I, there was, like, I don't know what happened. In my mind, I'd, like, ruined, like, I mean, like, I was calling my husband at, like, two, it would have been fine for him, it would have been, like, afternoon for him but it was like 2 a.m for me and I was like oh, I've ruined everything but I didn't I don't even I just thought I did so bad in this that like I don't yeah. even know like no one no one was like hey you did really bad it was just like in my head I had done horrible um and I was just like this distraught mess um because that's what re- like in wrestling you just think that you've ruined everything um all the time because of course uh, so it was, yeah, it was a roller coaster. But then by the time I like, I like went to, by the time I got home from America, like while I was on my plane on my way home, mm-hmm. um, this like hashtag campaign for like hashtag sign Shazza started. So then it was like this whole other like rate, like roller coaster of emotions. Cause then I was getting like everyone like tweeting it, hashtag sign Shazza and like, Nyla tweeted it and Joey Janela tweeted it and Brandy responded to it and she said like yes like I love her I want her it was like when she was doing the hair thing and she was like you know I, her hair's really pretty or something like I want her hair and like said something like that and I was like this real like crazy I don't know just emotions that whole experience life is emotion wrestling is emotional and it is. no one talks about the absolute just roller coaster of like highs to lows to highs to lows that you go through <laughs> in my opinion i say sign shazza we should get that as a hashtag again <laughs> because i would love to see you on my tv weekly or bi-weekly or however the situation goes once a month every sign with. i'm fine i'm fine what like once every two months like i'm cool guys like that's fine just maybe <laughs> like just on a poster is enough for me like that's really <laughs> So if COVID went away and you were allowed to leave Australia, you got signed to one of these major companies, say Impact or AEW or WWE or Ring of Honor, or any of these big companies on TV, are you prepared to leave Australia and just live out your dream over here? A hundred percent. What about your <laughs> like, <laughs> We'll figure it out. Yeah, no, no. Like he's always like, since it became like my goal, it was always, like, it was always, it's always been understood. Like, as long as I'm not, like, moving overseas to be poor, like, right. yeah, like, if I was moving overseas to be a struggling independent artist, I don't know he would be that supportive. He'd be like, excuse me, we have bills to pay and I'm not going to pay all of them. Right. Um, but, like, as long as I was moving overseas to chased my dreams and was making enough to survive um not to support both of us like he he would he works he's fine like 
but like making enough to pay my half of life, mm-hmm. um, it would be like, yeah, 100%, like we'd figure it out. He'd move over or whatever. We'd, we'd figure it out. It'd be fine. Like it's always been completely, yeah. Like he always, when I was having my WWE tryout, like a month or two before it, he was like, okay, we sat down and he was like, okay, what is everything that we need to do to get you prepared for this? And like, is just 100% like on board, um, most supportive human in the entire world. Um, well, that's so wonderful. So, yeah. <laughs> I'm very lucky. Because I know when I when I personally had some WWE extra work and stuff like that, my husband was really super supportive too. But, like, it's never, okay, we're going to upend our whole lives and move to, well, we would move to another country now because we're in Canada. Yeah. But it's not across the world, you know. It's just a couple yeah. of, well, literally from where I am, it's like an hour drive to the U.S. border. So it's, like, not yeah. that big of a deal, you know. Yeah. So, that's fantastic. I'm glad that he's so supportive. And is he still wrestling? Yeah, he's still wrestling. Um, so he, we, instead of having a honeymoon when we got married, mm-hmm. um, because, like, he's, again, the most supportive husband in the world, um, I said, hey, instead of using all this money for, like, a nice fancy honeymoon, can we, um, can I just quit my job and we just go to America for three months so I can wrestle? Um, and he was like, he wasn't, like, sure. He He was like, this is a really dumb thing to do with all of our money, but okay. Um, so he he came to me. We both went to America in uh, like March, April, two thousand and nineteen. We were there. We were there for three months in two thousand nineteen. Um, and he was coming as well to like train and wrestle and stuff. And about two weeks into it, he dislocated his elbow. Um, and yeah, and it's like. It was it was a very bad injury, like, and then we were also stuck in America where you can't get anything done to like fix it. Um, so we were just kind of he, he like it didn't heal right because we were there. Um, and it, but he like stayed like he like he stayed with me while I was there, like so I, I could travel around and do everything that I had to do to get my name out there and create the brand and the awareness and get the experience and exposure and all the things that come with being a wrestler. Yeah. Um, he stuck by all that. Um, and then so finally, well, he was, he was back to being okay to wrestle, um, like, by, like medically cleared to wrestle again by like March last year, but then COVID happened. Oh, uh, the yeah. COVID. so now he's, yeah. So now he's kind of been back at wrestling since like, um, October-ish last year. Um, but like, he's still young. He's got like, he's really good. He's young. Like, if he if he ever turned to me and said, "I want to be a signed professional wrestler," I would do absolutely everything I could to encourage him and to support him and to let him live his dream as I well. Love that. that is like the best couple thing ever. Like, obviously, I have, <laughs> but to hear it come yeah. from someone else, like that's amazing. That there's so many couples that are that supportive of one another and can push each other towards each other's own dreams, whatever that may be. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Like he, we're, my couple and your couple's wrestling. Yes, exactly. Like we're both, we're both very honest with each other in like supporting each other. Like we'll tell each other if like we do something and it's kind of shit or like, you know, like you, there has to be that like honesty because if we're ever going to uproot our entire lives for this dream, then we have to know that 100% has been put into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like otherwise. We like because uprooting our lives to be a failure, not to be a failure, but like for not the best reason ever would be silly. So as long as I'm always putting in 100%, as long as he's always putting in 100%, we're supportive. And if we have a drop below 100%, we call each other out on that shit and go, boy, <laughs> you slept in, you didn't go to the gym, sort your shit out. Hey, that's the best that I've heard. And Sasha, it's been so great talking to you. I love that we got to catch up. I'd love to do it again soon. Yes. It's been years. Like everybody else that I talk to, it's been years. Yes. <laughs> and I love getting to talk to everybody. So before we go, make sure to put over your podcast and all your Oh, yes. Uh, yes, so I have a podcast. It's called That's So Shazza. Um, if you just search that, I'm sure it'll come up. Um, and then I have a, all my social media is at Shazza underscore Mackenzie is Twitter and Instagram. And the best way to support me is my Patreon, 
uh, which is patreon.com forward slash Shaz McKenzie. Uh, there's like the video version of the podcast goes there and like photos and I don't know. I do live streams. I don't know. I do some stuff. It's exciting. It's cool. I think people like it. I don't know. <laughs> well, obviously people like it if they keep right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Saza, this has been awesome. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Help me welcome back pro wrestling historian. And, of course, our monthly history lesson is with him every month, Dan Murphy. Hey, Dan. Hey, thanks for having me back for yet another month. This is a this is a new every time I appear, it's a new record. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. making another appearance, so it's extending the record. So well, thanks for I mean, having me. Besides myself, I mean, you're the most appearing guest on the show. Wow, look at that. That's, <laughs> uh, that's pretty impressive in a weird yeah. way. Well, thank you. Well, how are you doing? I know your book's coming out next month. Of course, we got the plaque still behind you there. Yeah, back over here. It is uh, the Wrestlers, Wrestlers. It's the Masters of the Craft of Professional Wrestling. Very excited about it. Co-wrote it with a guy named Brian Young out of uh, Buffalo, where I'm from. Um, and uh, we spent about a year and a half putting it together. Basically, your favorite wrestlers, favorite wrestlers. Interviewed a bunch of people and really had them talk about the people that they enjoy working the most, why they like working them. It, it's really about the art of pro wrestling. It's not about necessarily the guys or girls who have won the most titles, uh, the ones who have done a variety of things. It's the ones who are just really solid workers, regardless of where they're pushed and promoted. And it's kind of celebrating those people. So I, I think it's a book that uh, real wrestling fans are really going to like, and I'm very excited that it's finally coming out. Well, I saw just a bit ago you posted, like, just some of the names of people that you interviewed for the book. And I was like, holy cow, that's that's a lot of great names just from the people you interviewed talking about who their favorite wrestlers are. Thank you. Yeah, we, we tried our hardest. Uh, I really reached out from everybody, from guys like Terry Funk, um, you know, older guys like that, Paul Orndorff, Terry Funk, and, and things like that. We talked to Jim Ross, uh, Brody Lee, who obviously had just recently mm-hmm. passed away, uh, Buddy Colt, another older veteran uh, who, who just passed away last week as well as we're recording this. And that was something that Brian and I really set out to do. Um, when we came up with the idea of doing the book, I had the idea of doing a book on wrestlers, wrestlers, and, and kind of the carpenters and the people who build wrestling. Brian had this idea of doing a book where you talk to all the old timers and get as many stories as you can before they're gone. Because okay. people, they, they, you know, they're gone. Their stories, all that history leaves. And we kind of combined those two ideas and had the wrestlers not talk about themselves or not talk about the stories that they always tell, but talk about their memories of being in the ring with other people. And because those are memories that will often like, you know, go away. And uh, that's, that's really how the book came apart, uh, came together. So yeah, I talked to about 45, 46 different people and and really kind of picked their brain uh, across different generations. And again, really happy with how it came out. I'm so excited next month. I can't wait to order it and get it and have it and read it and have all these new, new stories that I get to, uh, you know, relive through the person's own story, you know? Well, I'll tell you what, right now I'm going to actually talk about one of those stories. I want to talk about two real quick. See, there's a segue. So, okay. Two people I'd like to talk about, and I'm going to refer to some notes here. Normally I kind of do this off the top of my head, but these are people that I really admire and they're criminally underappreciated in wrestling. And I want to make sure that I have everything. So if my eyes aren't always right on the camera, I'm just reading a little bit. But number one, uh, so may I talk a little bit about in Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, which you can also kind of see up on the wall from mm-hmm. a book signing I did uh, for that book. Um, Cora Livingston. Now, Cora Livingston, uh, not not as well known. She's still not in the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame, even though she's been nominated and on the list for years. It's kind of a crime that she's not. Uh, Believed to have been born in Buffalo, New York, anytime between 1886 and 1893. Records are really kind of all over the place with her. She was a um, uh, an athlete. She competed in track and field and got into wrestling, started competing in wrestling in carnivals and circuses at the age of 16. Now, uh, for this month, the month of March, this is significant because in March of 1906, she wrestled three matches against Hazel Parker. Now, Cora Livingston, she was billed as 110 pounds, the champion featherweight of Buffalo. She was facing this Hazel Parker, 110 pounds, champion featherweight of the United States. They were going to do a best of three falls series, and the winner would be known as the Women's World Wrestling Champion, which would be essentially 
the first recognized women's world championship. Uh, so in March of 1906, uh, the first fall, let's see here. Uh, okay, yeah. So the, it was hyped in the newspaper that they would have the three matches, and it's reported both women are clever wrestlers and hold records. Uh, Parker won the first match on March 19th. Cora Livingston won the second match the night, next night on March 20th. And on March 23rd, Cora Livingston won the third in deciding bout. From that point forward, she was billed as women's world champion. So she went on. She ended up uh, kind of competing throughout the United States, wrestled the British and Canadian women's champions, uh, married Paul Bowser, who during that era up until the 40s or so was probably the top wrestling promoter in the United States based out of Boston. So she was very, very prominent uh, working with him, although by that point she had kind of segued out of wrestling. And uh, she was referred to by wrestling historian Nat, Fle Nat Fleischer as, quote, Cora was recognized everywhere as the greatest female wrestler in the world. And what was really cool about her is she ended up getting women's matches booked on the same events as the men, taking it off of the carnival sideshow circuit and out of the circuses and putting on the same show as men. She ended up defending her championship in Illinois, Massachusetts, Ohio, North Carolina, Quebec, and was billed as the Gotchess of the Mat, as a reference to Frank Gotch. So really, she was an absolute pioneer of women's pro wrestling, criminally underknown, but had an incredible career early in the uh, the 20th century. Beautiful. I love it. Yes. Now, and speaking of beautiful, she actually, she was beautiful too. And that's the thing. She was, there's a, a great quote here actually that I didn't mention, uh, but where was it? Okay. In a book by uh, this writer, L.A. Jennings, a book's called She's a Knockout. Quote was, at the time that Livingston earned the right to declare herself the female champion wrestler of the world, the American press was displeased with female wrestlers because up until the early 1900s, there had never been a particularly skilled one. This was perhaps because most of the women billed as wrestlers were either actresses pretending to be competent fighters or untrained women looking to fill a particular niche. Cora was actually a great wrestler, legitimately good and good at the showmanship aspect of pro wrestling, but she was also a very attractive woman and the traditional sense. So in a lot of ways, she was really the first, if you want to say diva, if you want to say knockout, she was the first very attractive woman that would become a championship wrestler, setting the stage for Mildred Burke and all of the women wrestlers that would follow afterwards. And I bet so many of those women, well, I mean, Mildred Burke, obviously more in that time zone or time frame of life, but I'm sure like a lot of the women now probably don't even have any clue. That's exactly it. And again, Google Cora Livingston, you'll, you'll find a lot. Of, there's not a lot online. There are a few things if you dig enough, but she really does uh, deserve some credit for her, her contributions to women's pro wrestling. Uh, the second person, again, dealing with the month of March, the second person I have to talk about is actually a guy, and he is written about in The Wrestlers Wrestlers. Uh, this is the man that Lou says handpicked to defeat him for the NWA world title in March of 1956 except the federal government wouldn't let the match happen. Oh, the reason, man. Yeah. It's George Gordienko. George Gordienko is a native of Winnipeg, Manitoba. Met Luthez when uh, Luthez was up working for the Stampede promotion in Calgary. They did a 60-minute draw. Luthez wrote about it. We once worked a 60-minute draw, and I couldn't run him out of gas, which almost never happened. And Luthez was known for being able to outwork anyone. Mm -hmm. Gordienko had better cardio than Luthez in Luthez's prime. Uh, Gordienko had trained at the local YMCA, met some promoters, uh, met uh, the Minnesota wrestling promoter and wrestler Waller Carbo. They thought he'd be a good training partner for Vern Gagne. convinced him to come down to Minnesota, went to Minnesota, began wrestling, made his debut in 1946, started attending classes at the University of Minnesota, fell in love, got married, moved back to Winnipeg. Kind of beautiful story, except he had a terrible divorce. And when his wife left him, she reported him to the government, claiming that her ex-husband was a member of the Communist Party and that they had attended communist meetings of a Marxist Socialist Club while at the university. Now, this is during the McCarthy era, the Red Scare in the United States. His ex-wife and son moved back to the U.S. George Gordienko was never let back in the country. Yes. Now, he continued wrestling. Based in Canada, he wrestled internationally, but could never come back into the United States. 
So when Lou says was wrestling on a broken ankle, needed time off to get away and rehab and, you know, get away from the rigors of being world champion, he went to the NWA board, the NWA president, said George Gordienko is the best wrestler in the world. He's the guy I want to drop the belt to. And they went to the U.S. government. They wouldn't allow it to happen. State Department would not lift their ban on Gordienko, would not allow him to come back into the United States. So oh. instead, he ended up dropping the belt in uh, March 15th of 1956 to Whipper Billy Watson. Um, George Gordienko ended up wrestling all the way up until, uh, I think, 1976, I believe. Uh, was named the top wrestler in the United Kingdom in 1963 and 1970. Competed all throughout the Middle East, Europe, Japan, Africa, the Caribbean. Billy Robinson called him the greatest wrestler of the era, uh, and he never really got a run as world champion and is largely unknown completely in the United States. Well, yeah, like I've I've had this conversation with, uh, I think it was Lafisto when I had her on. Like a lot of people in the States don't know of wrestling history outside of the States, unfortunately, and that includes Canada. Like some people just have no idea. And, I mean, I can even say, like, other countries, like, when I lived in the U.S., like, I knew a little bit about Japan. I knew a little bit about, uh, you know, Great Britain over there, the U.K. And then, of course, when I went over to the U.K., I also learned a lot there. But, like, you're, everything is so U.S.-based as far as, like, wrestling history is concerned that, like, sometimes the crazy, amazing people and stories and history outside of the U.S. is just like non-existent basically because it's, nobody it's knows like it never that. happened it's exactly yeah. it. and imagine had george gordienko been able to come in it would have changed american wrestling history he would have been the nwa champion he took the spot that went to whipper billy watson who's, who's still an icon in toronto and, mm-hmm. and and still very well known um but gordienko was the guy that his peers considered the best in the world but politics would it prevented him from ever making it at least in the u.s now as a little interesting side note uh, to that, uh, Gordienko ended up having a little bit of success as a painter, and at one point actually got to meet Pablo Picasso, who it turns out was a big pro wrestling fan. So Gordienko, one of the proudest moments of his life, he talked about in articles and interviews for years later, was meeting Pablo Picasso, having a cup of tea with him, and being able to talk pro wrestling. That's crazy. Who would have ever thought Picasso was was a you know a wrestling fan? I mean, it That's just it. doesn't doesn't seem logical, I guess. No, you never know. You never know yeah. what, uh, what people are into, you know, and they, <laughs> when they're not working, what, what they're into at home, you, you have no idea. But That's those are the true. kind of stories that are in, uh, featured in uh, The Wrestlers Wrestlers. I love it. Even more so. I can't wait to dig into it. Very cool. All right, Dan. It's been awesome having you on. Can't wait to see what you have for us in the month of April. This is Lance Storm, and if I can be serious for a minute, you're listening to VOC Nation Worldwide. VOC Nation is one of the longest-running wrestling podcast networks. Having started way back in 2010, VOC Nation provides daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with their hosts and guests via phone calls, emails, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts also include former backstage interviewer from both AWA and WWE, Ken Resnick, former WCW performer The Maestro, former Impact performer Wes Crisco, Pro Wrestling Illustrated contributor Brady Hicks, and former Philadelphia radio personality Bruce Works. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling with History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Works, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, and In the Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. Both shows take callers live during the show, and recent guests have included... General Adnan, Tito Santana, Haku, Earl Hebner, Dangerous Danny Davis, Jimmy Hart, Ricky Steamboat, Brodus Clay, and so many more. Archive free content includes past interviews with huge names like Paul Hogan, Jesse Ventura, Kurt Angle, Sting, Mick Foley, Joey Styles, Howard Finkel, and so many more. Listen live at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all the podcasts by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. And be sure to follow these guys on Twitter, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali. To let you know, you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. 
Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.